geekiest show ever, number seven, Star Trek. This week featuring David Cohen, Guy Searle, Chad Perry, Rich Lefko, and me, Tim Robertson. Please support the geekiest show ever by visiting our mothership and sponsor, MyMac.com. And send all feedback to feedback at MyMac.com. And now, we geek out to Star Trek. Welcome to the Geekiest Show Ever, number, what is this, seven already. Wow, seven of these in the bag. And, of course, this is a bi-month, no, bi-weekly or bi-monthly? Is it? If it just, just as long as they buy it. Yeah, just buy it. It's only 99 cents on the Apple iTunes store. Oh, no, it's not, is it? It's free. Oh, yeah, it's free. So this is going to be our Star Trek conversation, at least one of them. Uh, and I'm assuming that everybody here saw Star Trek. We'll start with David Cohen. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Guy Searle. Oh, yeah. Rich. Rich Lefko. The day after it came out. The day after it came out, and I saw it the day it started with... With me, Chad Perry. So we all saw Star Trek. Before we get into the Star Trek, let me uh, delve into a couple other geeky topics. Wait, wait. You, you might want to also tell people that if they haven't seen it yet, yeah. you probably shouldn't be listening to no. this podcast. Yeah, this will no. be spoiler This filled. will be oh, spoiler. this is going to be nothing but spoilers. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not going to be just the Star Trek movie. Maybe we'll get into some of the TV series and observations and thoughts, and who knows? We'll see where it goes. Uh, to kick off the show, though, I want to uh, talk about something that happened today. A couple really geeky things did. Um, last week, I wanted to buy what is it? Garage, or no, uh, Guitar Hero World Tour. Mm-hmm. It's ninety nine dollars at Best Buy. I thought that was a pretty good price. Comes with the guitar and the game. And mm-hmm. my wife said is, no. <laughs> is, is that just is that just a guitar with the drum drum cassette? No, that's just a guitar. It wasn't the whole kit and caboodle. And I, I don't plan on getting the whole thing either because nobody else in the house here will play with me. They suck. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't want to play But with. my wife was like, don't we already have a guitar in that game? And I said, yeah, but it's the PS2 stuff, and it doesn't work with the PS3. And I don't want to hook up the old PS2 just to break out the first Guitar Hero game, mm-hmm. you know? I want to play the new stuff. Really what I wanted to play was Guitar Hero Metallica. Right. And uh, But she was like, I don't know, $100. That seems like a lot. Let's think about it. So I thought, eh, okay. So I checked eBay. Found one on eBay for twenty nine ninety nine with free shipping and handling. It said it, it said it was used, but barely, so I bought it. It arrived today, and it's perfect. It works mm-hmm. great. I played the game, and in anticipation, of course, I went out and bought GarageBand Metallica. Or not GarageBand, uh, yeah. uh, Guitar, Guitar Hero, Hero, Hero Metallica, Metallica, and I played a couple songs. Ooh, there's some songs that's really hard to play. <laughs> Even on easy, I'm like, holy crap. So that was my, first, to say. That was my first geeky thing. Uh, second and third geeky things are kind of together. I have an alarm system in the house, 
and I've had it for six, seven, eight years now, right? Mm-hmm. And it basically it, it it's doors, it's motion sensor, you know, it calls them if there's a problem, and you know, blah 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 blah, keypad, all that stuff, all the fun stuff that you want in a home security system. I mean, it's not going to keep anybody from stealing your stuff, but at least police will arrive fairly soon if they do mm-hmm. break into your house, and. We've never had a break-in, knock on wood, but we have had a door blow open while we were gone that it wasn't, you know, secure all the way, mm-hmm. and the wind just blew it open, the alarm went off, and the alarm system, or the alarm company actually called me and said, you know, are you home right now, blah, 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 we have an alarm event, your back door is just, was just opened up, and I'm like, uh, no, we're not here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last time this happened, we were, uh, I'll tell Chad, we were down by the Y Center, which is maybe, oh, yeah. what, 10 blocks away? Yeah. So we turned around immediately, drove back, and by the time we got to their house, there was three police officers out front. Nice. Wow. That was great response. So I was like, wow, this is cool. Now, it was just the wind blew mm-hmm. open the door. And I'm not penalized for that unless it happens a lot, and then you know they don't like that too much. Right. Yeah, they get uh, upset about it. Yeah, but it, it gives you a sense of security if you're going to be away from the home at, for any length of time. Plus, with kids, uh, I can set it so... The motion sensor doesn't come on. It's called the stay option, that you're going to stay in the house. But the alarm is turned on, so if any of your doors are open, it also goes off. It gives you, you know, Mm -hmm. 60 seconds to turn it off. I like that for, you know, sleeping upstairs. All the kids are asleep. If someone broke into the house, the alarm is on. We're going to know that they're Mm -hmm. in the house. So I, I like having an alarm system. And it's like 35 bucks a month, basically. So... I'm, I kind of jumped ahead with the alarm system, but you'll understand why in a second. So I call Comcast today, who I have my cable provider with, because I was curious on how much it would cost to add the NFL networks to our you know, television package. Because I, I keep looking at the listings, and I'm like, I would really like to watch that. Look, there's something else I really want to watch. <laughs> so I called, and the lady was like, uh, it's seven ninety five a month. And I'm like, yeah, that's just a little bit too much for, you know. For like four or five months of uh, of actual real NFL action. Well, no, they have NFL news all year round. They sh- they replay some of the best games, classics. They play old games, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I, I really would like to have. Now, they also offer, it's part of a package. They don't do, you know, a la carte. you got to yeah. pick what they give you. And it's the sports package, so it comes with the NHL network, the NBL, NBA, whatever, mm-hmm. all this stuff. And I'm like, the only thing I want is the NFL, but you got to get all this. It's seven ninety five a month. I'm like, no, I'm not really interested. And she says, well, let me look what package you're on right now. She she pauses. She goes, oh, you're one of the customers that I love. And I was like, why is that? She goes, well, you've been with us for a long time. I'm looking at the plan that you're on. It's X number of dollars a month, and that's your internet and your mm-hmm. your television, your... HDTV or DVR, and it's HBO and Stars. I'm like, right. She goes, for an extra 10 bucks a month total, we put a phone line in, so you have to have the phone with us. Mm-hmm. You get all the premium channels that you don't get already, which is Cinemax and, I don't know, there's two or three of them. Showtime. Showtime, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all the HD channels, which I already get, except for the premium channels mm-hmm. that I don't already get. Plus the whole sports package, which is NFL and all that. Um, plus, they move my internet speeds from 6 megabits that I'm on now to 16 megabits. Which is great. And yeah. it's only 10 bucks extra a month. 
And I told my wife, Julie, about that. And she was like, well, how much are we paying right now for the phone? I said, about 30 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. So she said, well, we'll be saving 10 bucks this way, won't we? I said, yeah, but I really hate to give Comcast any extra money. I, this mm-hmm. kind of bothers me. But for 10 bucks a month... They're offering you a good deal. They're offering me a great deal. But here's where the alarm system comes in. The alarm system is actually plugged in to the phone system. Mm-hmm. So if it goes off, you know, it calls the, the security system. The security company. Well, the Comcast telephone is VoIP, voice over IP. Yeah. yeah. What happens to the alarm system if I go with voice over IP? So I called my alarm system company, and they told me it will work just fine. They've already tested on the Comcast mm-hmm. system in this area. It works great. So no worries. And then the lady says, oh, I see that your your account hasn't been active for a month. Excuse me? And she pulls it up and she goes, yeah, alarm the alarm system. She yeah. says, well, yeah, I'd notice if, if yeah. the television and the Internet went down, I wouldn't be recording the show right now. This is true. And she says, uh, yeah, I'm not sure why. She says, oh, it looks for non-payment. I said, well, when's the last payment you received? Oh, May something. I said, and you turned it off in April, but yet you're still getting payment. Yeah, I think that must have been a mistake somewhere. <laughs> uh, I'll put a reactivation thing in there. Okay. <laughs> Well, I'm kind of curious. You know, I've got, I've had the system for a while. Is there something better that I could upgrade to? You know, and I'm thinking, I don't know, an alarm system that also includes fire, carbon monoxide, mm. maybe one that registers if glass breaks in your house yeah. or someone breaks your breaks your window. And um, so I basically go through like four different people just trying to get this simple question asked, answered. And the last person I got basically is telling me I have to reactivate my entire system. But they're going to waive the fifty nine ninety nine dollar fee. They want me to pay three months, and they want to go direct deposit as payments. You know, mm-hmm. p- pulling it right out of my right. savings account. None of this I had to worry about. I was I've been with them for like seven eight years. Yeah, you know, I get a bill in the mail every month. I write them a check and I send it off to them. So now all of a sudden it's going to cost me more. And I asked the guy. I said, so does this include new equipment? No. I said, so what, what happens if I just switch over to, you know, Brinks, for instance? Oh, well, you're going to have to pay them to come in and, and take the old system out, and that can get quite expensive. So what do you mean it could take be quite expensive? It's two things uh, on your, the is door. Is your system wired system. or wireless? Wired. Well, okay, well, then, then it's nothing. They just, they basically, they pull your old panel off, I mean, the new company. Right. Uh, they come in, put a new panel in, and, you know, they, they might change out the terminating resistor, but that's about it. Yeah, I know. The guy's trying to tell me, oh, it's well, they'll, really yeah, or they'll just fit. Or they'll just fit a whole new system. Because well, they will they, fit they a whole new system. But, I mean, it, it's all wireless stuff. I mean, it, there's nothing to it. Mm-hmm. It's, it. It's two screws holding up the control panel, and the only thing that's going to that is a phone line. Yeah, if you've already got the box in there, then they'll probably just put their equipment in that box. Uh, no, they won't do that. They'll give you a whole new box. But my whole point is, why stay with ADT? I just said who my company is, but I don't yeah. care. Why stay with ADT if they're going to charge me extra money now? And now they're telling me the new plans are like 42 to 45 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to be paying more, not getting any new equipment, and they're going to inconvenience me. And all this results from what they screwed up by accidentally turning me off by non-payment, even though I've been paying them. And they, yeah. the lady on the phone even said, oh, that was a mistake. Sorry about that. We'll get that turned on. It'll probably be reactivated tomorrow. It's just crazy. So 
And now I'm dealing with the alarm company, thinking about changing. Mm-hmm. I'm also thinking about upgrading my Comcast service, which I hate giving them more money, but mm-hmm. that's a really good deal. So that's my geeky story for today. And we're ten minutes into the show. <laughs> we haven't even got to Star Trek. Anybody else got any geeky stuff you want to talk about before we move into Star Trek? Chad? Oh, picked up Patapon 2 for the PSP. Been playing that pretty crazy. So. Yeah, I heard, that's a, I've heard good things about that game. Oh, it's a great game. I, I, I have the first one, and I was looking forward to this one. And it's certainly is no, it, definitely no disappointment. It's a lot of fun. Now, do you download stuff to a car to, to well, demo? Well, you know, the interesting thing about uh, Patapon 2 is this is probably one of the first big release games that they've actually done purely um, through the PSP download service, PSN. So, so you download it through the internet so you to can a actually, card. Yeah, exactly. And then you just pop the card in and it runs from that. Yep, runs right off the uh, my little card I've got in the machine. A little right SD now. card, so right? SD card. Yeah. yeah, I got a two gig SD card in there, which so. probably costs you like fifty bucks. Um, actually, Kim, pick I don't think that's an SD card, is it? I've got one of those up there. It's that proprietary, it's proprietary Sony, Sony memory stick crap. Memory stick, yeah. So that yeah. you know, and a lot of people say, well, why? Where has Sony gone? wrong why are they trailing behind all these other tech companies you know they're way behind vizio and flat well, panel tvs you know I, computers they can't match apple you know I that mean, brings me to one of my biggest beefs is that you know here they are they've got a gaming system that already has wi-fi enabled and yet there was no way to get any downloadable content except for through a pc yeah it's correct well now there is but now there is but yeah previously there wasn't you know and then you know apple releases an ipod touching the iphone what a year and a half, two years, three years later, and within six months they've got they're dominating. Yeah, you know, and you can download all sorts of apps. Yeah, right from the device. You don't have to yeah. go anywhere. It's not that easy with the PSP, Mm-mm. and the PSP is a much better gaming platform. Yeah, and yet it's I don't know. They're I think they they've made some huge mistakes, but I think a lot of that comes down to Sony is slow to respond, and they want to go with these proprietary technologies. When the rest of the world isn't doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's interesting. You guys, uh, Mac Mac Rumors had a uh, uh, Sony's uh, an article about Sony considering music downloads for PSP to compete with the iPhone, and it says right in the article that uh, the Sony CEO says if we had gone with open technology from the start, I think we probably would have beaten Apple. They may have because they had a they had a a much well number one they're also a music company so they've got the right content. Now. Yeah, um, right. But that, but that's that's pre- precisely why they've gone this proprietary route all the time. They always want to reinvent the wheel and they build and all the content, whole load of DRM in, and it's because they're beholden to their content providers, which is part of the same corporation. You know, I don't know. I I look at the the products they're coming out with and what they say, and it really seems to me to be a company that's run by the marketing department rather than someone that really knows consumer products, and it's. It, I don't think it's too late for Sony to turn around. Do you, Chad? No, no. I mean, yeah, they, they've announced they're going to have losses probably for the next year or so. But you know, frankly, they're still. They, I'm sure they've still got a fairly robust R and D. You know, they can turn this around. Here's here's one of my issues. Now, I I love my PS3. I actually like it better than the Xbox 360. And I know there's a, the console wars, and you're an Xbox mm-hmm. guy, and you're a PC, and you're the PS3, and you're a Wii guy. Um, a Wii guy. <laughs> <laughs> You're just a wee guy. Um, just a wee lad. I, I've got all of the systems. And so I don't base my which one I like better on I'm a Microsoft fanboy or a Sony mm-hmm. fanboy or a Nintendo. 
I go by which system just works. Mm-hmm. With the Xbox 360, I've had to send that damn thing in three times. Right. With the and, and even when it's not broken and it's working just fine, it's loud when you play a game. Unless you actually install the game on the hard drive, which you could do on the Xbox 360 now. Mm-hmm. It's loud. It's distracting loud. Mm-hmm. With the PS3, it's quiet. Comparatively. Right. I mean, it's iMac quiet. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the controllers about the same. But when it comes to the Wii, there's just no good games for the Wii. Well, there really isn't. That is the problem, is that there's only been a handful of really, really good games for the Wii. And some of the better games for the Wii are either ports from other systems that already existed, yep. or they're rehashes of older games. Older Nintendo games. Yeah. Oh, look, here's the the latest Mario, and here's the latest Lynx. And, and here's Pikmin. Yeah, exactly. But here's my issue. The, the PS3, as much as I like it, that's an expensive system. It's three ninety nine, four hundred bucks for the low end. Pro- well, pricing exactly. is pricing is is another of Sony's problems. You know they 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 traditionally have tried to position themselves as as an Apple style brand with you know at, up at the higher end of the market. But the problem is their products are so difficult to use often, um, and they're so you know loaded with all this extra crap that you don't want, the DRM or, or you know, propri- something proprietary technology. I mean, I had I had the Sony Minidisc. I was one of the first people to have a Sony Minidisc in the UK. Um, and as a technology, it was absolutely fantastic. But it was hamstrung by all of these controls and limitations they deliberately built into the product because they were worried about people digitally copying music. Yep. Um, and, it, and it meant the format died. And, you know, if you look at Sony's history, time and time again, they've had technically superior stuff that has withered on the vine because either it's been priced too expensively or because they've hamstrung it by, um, you know, the limitations of their, of their marketing model. Well, look at the, uh, the Walkman as a, as a prime example. When the Walkman first came out, Sony beat everyone to the punch, and it was a huge success. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for them, cassettes weren't proprietary. Yeah. And neither was a mechanism to play them. They had been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of companies started making portable cassette players. I mean, I, I guarantee you, we're all at the age now where we all had Walkman-like devices, right? Well, and then the Discman after that. Right. How many yeah. of you guys actually own a Sony Walkman or a Sony Discman? Well, I had I, I had one of the last Sony Walkman. It, basically, it was it was about as small as you could make it while still enclosing a tape. Yep. And it was a thing of beauty. It was solid metal. Um, you know, it was uh, full of all sorts of elect- clever electronics. It had loads and loads of fantastic features. It ran off a single AA battery. It ran forever off a single AA battery. Um, you know, it was, an, it was an amazing piece of technology. But the only reason I got it was because I was working in a hi-fi store and, and I, I, I was able to buy a massive discount. Nobody ever bought them from me in the, in the hi-fi store because it was like three times the price of all the competing um, products. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So That's my point. Coming to say, yeah, most people will come in and say, wow, that looks really nice, but it's so expensive, and it, and it doesn't really do anything better than the uh, the cheap, uh, you know... I'll get, I'll get the Toshiba one for yeah. twenty nine ninety nine, or exactly. the Sony one for seventy nine ninety nine. Let me think about it for a while. Yeah. It's not a, it's, That's not a long discussion with the wife, I can tell you that right now. Right. She's like, you know, we can get three of this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's still cheaper. Yeah, you know? And it's doing exactly the same thing. Well, yes and no. I, mean, is, I, w- I will give you- Sony credit. I had some cheap Walkmans. And, when, and I use the term Walkman not as a Sony product, but as a portable cassette player. 
Right. And the cheap ones were just that. They were cheap. I mean, mm-hmm. they didn't last long batteries. They broke often. I probably replaced my my cheap Walkmans twice a year. <laughs> As where, but let's be honest, a, a good quality Sony Walkman probably would have lasted a lot longer. Yeah. And I'd have been a lot happier with it. You know, it's I it's like funny when my when my mother was still alive, she you know she'd come and stay with uh, each one of us kids at at any given time, and her eyesight was very poor, so she used to listen to a lot of books on tape, and we never got her the real super expensive Walkmans number one because you know the controls were just too confusing for a woman in her early eighties that can't really see that well, but the the problem with cheaper ones. You know, I mean, she'd use this thing all day long, right? And as it would start, as it would stop working, we could hear her from upstairs banging it on the, on the uh, table next to the bed. <laughs> it's like it's not working. Wham, wham, wham. What well, were you going to say, now, Mom? What were you going to say, Rich? Uh, I was just going to say I have a I, I've got a disc man in the closet, but I've also got a couple of Sony Handycams. I mean, I always thought Sony made uh, they made good stuff, but like you say, uh, the pricing was always a problem with Sony stuff. And the uh, in that article I was reading, the CEO even said in there uh, with the uh, digital rights stuff is that at the time it's he says we thought we would make more money that way than with open technology. So you know it's chasing the bucks. Uh, uh, David, wasn't those discs were they the the UMD discs that? Uh, no, no, the mini disc was was a. I mean, it was really innovative at the time. It was like a you know a digital rewritable optical disc. Oh, okay. So it was it was anybody else. Well, well, this this is always the problem with Sony, and and you know the PSP's got the same problem. They tried to introduce a new disc format with that, the UMD, uh, right. for video, and they pushed it really hard, and, and it you know nobody bought it because because they wouldn't license it to everybody anybody else. They always want to try and own everything and uh, kind of push people out of the market by by um, you know controlling a format. The handy cams are the same. They had um, you know um, the eight millimeter format that was different from VHSC, and if, if, if you're if you've sort of been in the electronics or gadget game for a long time and you've bought a few Sony products, you only need to get burnt once or twice by yeah. They become obsolete really quick. Yeah, because because you know you you you're constrained by this format that only Sony controls. And even if you're buying blanks and stuff like that, the, because of Sony licensing, you're paying more than than the competing products. And then you know you get to the point you say, oh, I'm just not I'm not going to risk it anymore. Yeah, I, I don't think I even saw one of those discs. Well, they they were they were fairly niche, and the problem the the principal problem with them is that Sony was really pushing it very hard. They had all of the, again they I mean they had these these discs that re- could record digitally, and because they thought that people would take them to concerts and would record uh, concerts as bootlegs, they basically. Um, you know, put all these limitations on what you could do with the recording. You could record onto the disc, but the only way you could actually play the stuff back and listen to it again, if you wanted to move it to a different format, was to do it via analog. You couldn't do it digitally, even though it was stored digitally on the disc. Yeah. And when when they eventually um, modified uh, mini discs so you could actually connect it to a computer, you could only download stuff to the discs digitally from your computer. You couldn't take anything back again because, again, they were worried about people digitally replicating music. And it just meant the format, you know, was was just just looked archaic when MP3 came along because MP3 didn't have any of those limitations. And it smoked them. And that was one of the things that Apple did really well with the iPod was that they supported the MP3 format right out of the gate. Yeah. Right. And that's why everyone bought iPods and used iTunes because, Mm -hmm. geez, all the stuff that I bootlegged... (coughs) 
You know, yeah. it works. I can use but it yeah. on my iPod. And Sony it, and it's future proof. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sony used a technically superior um, codec called A Track on the mini disc. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and it was as good as, as the current AAC encoding was. I think ANC is kind of a development of the same technology. Um, but it was completely proprietary to Sony. So if you had a, if you had a CD, or you had MP3 files, and you wanted to put them onto onto mini disc. They had software that that came with the um, the mini disc players that would let you do that. But f- effectively, it transcoded everything into a track, and then stuck DRM on it before it would let it go anywhere near the mini disc. Yeah. So you know, you'd stick your CD in, and and it would take 45 minutes before it was encoded and ready to go on the mini disc. Well, you know, at that point, you're thinking, well, why am I even bothering with this? Yeah. Well, let's jump into, because I could keep going on Sony, because I, I also have a 46-inch a flat panel from Sony that yeah. it's got a great picture. I really like it, but, Chad, I, I guarantee if you went in there and started messing with the menus, you'd be like, ugh. I mean, it's <laughs> it's literally, you set it up once and then leave it the hell alone, because yeah. you don't want to go through that again. But let's get into our main topic, uh, Twenty almost again? 25 minutes into the show now. <laughs> and uh, So this is going to be the first episode that we talk about Star Trek. And obviously, we're going to focus on the movie that just came out, Star Trek. It's just Star Trek too, and I was kind of surprised that there wasn't no, you know, Star Trek Nemesis or First Contact or The Voyage Home or The Search for Star. I mean, even the very first Star Trek movie was Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Like they have to put yeah. motion in there because otherwise we're going to get there and Nobody it's going to be flashcards. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, like the they're pantomiming it up there. That's cool. Um, when's Shatner coming to our theater? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's just Star Trek, and I have to say, I have got to give all the props to J.J. Abrams. When I sat down, and I already, I, ha- I knew it was going to be good, but when that bad robot came up on the screen, Chad, yeah. I thought, yes, Star Trek, and it's not Gene Roddenberry, and it's not... Rick, uh, all those people from before, mm-hmm. it's a fresh start. And there's the bad robot, what, I don't know what, logo. Yeah. And this is going to be different. And I, w- what was your sense of anticipation, Chad, when we were going to the theater? Were you, I don't know, what, what was your emotional, because we've talked about Star Trek yeah. for a long time. Oh, I was, I was ready for something new, and I was actually pretty excited about seeing the movie. Because I, I wanted to see where things went, how things got stitched together. You know, I know that he, you know, Abrams always assembles good writers to support his works who, you know, take a, a fresh spin on things. And so I was really looking forward to seeing what they did. What about you, Guy? What was your uh, anticipation going to see it? Oh, I had uh, I had high expectations for the movie. I yeah. mean, just just based on, on the, the trailers themselves. Now, he, he did take it. In in some directions that I I kind of didn't anticipate. Uh, I I didn't under, you know at first I didn't understand that. Well, let's not get not into the plot was, yet. Let's let's keep. Well, no, I'm, I'm not going to get into the okay. plot. Uh, I, I didn't understand at first that it was not only was it going to be like a, a look back at you know the early days, but it was a complete reboot of the whole universe. You weren't aware of that from the commercials and and all the pre hype. No, I was I was deliberately trying to avoid seeing most of that. What about you, Rich? What was your anticipation going to see the movie? I was thinking that I was going to go and see, uh, kind of like what Guy just said. I think a, a reboot of the Star Trek world, 
and I was not expecting what I actually got, which intrigued the hell out of me with, you know, uh, you know, the different direction they, they can take it in. I think it was a really uh, a, a fantastic stroke of genius to be able to get away from the original uh, timeline. What do you think, David? What was your anticipation? Well, it was great for me because I went to see it with my uh, with my dad and my and my brother, one of my brothers. And, this is the uh, dad that went to see Star Trek and forced you in there like seven times, right? Or Star Wars? Uh, Star yeah. Wars, exactly. <laughs> and, and and really, you know, Star Trek. I've always been more of a Star Trek fan than a Star Wars fan, and the reason for that is that I have very clear memories when I was growing up. I was only about seven or eight. Um, so, you know, I mean. The t- TV in, in the 70s and 80s in, in Britain was different from what, from what you guys had. We only had four, uh, three channels, um, and those the, the same three channels that, that, was, that were sent everywhere all over the UK over the air. There was no cable, um, and basically that was what you got. So, you know, we didn't get the kind of strip syndication that Star Trek had in the U.S., um, during the 70s and the 80s. Um, effectively, you know, Star Trek was more of an event, and it was on the BBC um, at uh, 10 past 8 on a Monday evening. I clearly remember this as I was growing up. And we would we would sit down, it was a special treat on a Monday to sit down with my dad after dinner and watch Star Trek before we went to bed. And, um, you know, I remember watching it, and, you know, at, at that age, a, an awful lot of it kind of, you know... I. I missed I missed a lot of it, a lot of the subtleties of it. Mm-hmm. But there were times I didn't really understand exactly what was going on. I do remember a time, you know, actually sort of debating internally myself that I wasn't really clear on what the Enterprise was. You know, I knew that they had a ship, but I hadn't really associated that that was the name of the ship. You know, but the thing is, it didn't matter because we would sit down as a family and we watch it and we were entranced every single week. And for, to be able to go and see this. This new movie, which is really taking, you know, something that now has quite a very, you know, rich and, but, you know, quite convoluted and tottering, if you like, um, you know, backstory Mm -hmm. and and additions and extra characters and everything, and really take it back to the beginning, as we'll get on to, in a a very, very clever and interesting way. Uh, And to to be able to share that with my my dad and my brother was was really quite exciting for me. So, I I mean, all three of us really, really enjoyed it. Um, And, uh, you know, it had that that sort of kind of extra resonance for me because it was, uh, you know, it was like a continuation of my childhood. Well, for me, I, I had read a little bit about it, beforehand unlike guy so i wasn't completely oblivious to it it's not just a reboot but they are going to throw away the history that we know part of me was like you know i've invested a lot of hours over my life and in, in mm-hmm. watching star trek and i've read quite a few of the books um to throw that history away kind of seemed like a cheap thing to do how are they going to do this? Chad, I thought, personally, the way they did it in the movie was brilliant. That this is not the same timeline mm-hmm. that... Not the, the same universe. It, well, it's the same universe, but it's just a different timeline. The, the timeline split. So it's it's not necessarily like the mirror universe where good is bad and bad is good and that kind of right. crap. This is literally a different history of a different timeline for these same characters. And you know I thought I like about it was brilliant. You know, you know what I like about that whole concept is that in the uh, original classic Star Trek episodes where they went back in time, like the one with Gary Seven, and when they went back in time, they always you know, did everything they could to make sure that the timeline was safe when they left. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know? So this is the first time that 
somebody screwed up the timeline. You're, and, you're and, hitting something over there as you're talking, Rich. Don't do that, please. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and it's interesting that because one of the the real weaknesses I've always felt from you know particularly some of the later Star Trek series, you know, there, there was a couple of um, episodes probably in, in each of uh, each of the few, the later series where there was substantial changes to the timeline, um, and you know which real had real impacts on the characters. I mean, there was a two part Voyager. Um, set of episodes where effectively the ship was just trashed. Yeah, I remember Absolutely that. Trashed. It was the year of hell, I think it was. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that. and you, but the problem was you always knew because it was a TV series that at some point it would just be set back to to what was established and and all of that would be thrown away. Um, and I always felt dramatically that was really really weak. Yeah, because you never got the sense that. Oh my God! This is a different direction. I didn't see this coming. Mm-hmm. I wonder how they're going to get back to Earth now with a ship like that. Right. You knew that they were going to reboot. You exactly. knew they were going to hit the reset button, and in two weeks everything's back to normal because each episode basically has to be self-contained. Right. Exactly. But it oh, would be really, really go ahead. It'd been really easy for the writers of this movie to do something similar. Absolutely. To say, okay, we, we're gonna we're gonna fiddle with this. We're gonna we're gonna change that. We're gonna change the look. We're gonna change that, and we're kind of gonna make it all right by by basically saying, okay, well, don't worry, we'll get you back to the established continuity by the end of the movie. And they've 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 deliberately avoided doing that while still linking into the established continuity. And that's, to me, is the clever thing with what they've done is they've said, okay, well, we're going to take everything you know, we're going to twist it, we're going to change it, and we're still going to have a link to what you know, and we're going to, you know, we're actually going to riff on the fact that, you know, the core fundamentals of what you know are still there and are still what's important to us. And bearing in mind that this is coming from a group of guys who are not all big Star Trek fans. I mean, Abrams himself says that he's not really a, a big Star Trek fan at all and doesn't really know the material as well as some of the writers do. For somebody to, to be able to, to have that much respect for it, to say, well, we're going we're gonna to strip it back to what the core of it is and then we're going to build something else on top of that, but we're still going to reference the original and you know make make you understand we still respect the original um to me is is the the triumph of this film and this also gives the the possibility that they can make movies with the next generation cast or voyager cast or whatever they they won't by the way you'll never ever see any of those old characters again Mm -hmm. just not going to happen but well i mean the timeline has been changed so but but, there's no guarantee that that well, Picard's and, even and born in the future. Is, there, yeah. Well, I mean, whether whether this is you could consider this to be a changed universe or an alternate universe. No, it is an alternate universe. That's Spock even says that. Yeah, he does. Okay, so, because his so history you can have the, you is can have different. The next mm-hmm. next generation, exactly. But he, here's my point, though. Paramount left it in, and J.J. Abrams, by extension, left in. Everything you know about the Star Trek universe is still completely valid. This is simply an alternate timeline. Mm-hmm. So right. everything, all your Trek knowledge guys out there, is completely intact. And let's be honest, they needed to do this. They needed to bring Star Trek more modern. They needed to bring in new fans. And they needed to leave the old fan base right. behind, right. The, the Trekkies. They needed to leave these guys behind because they were dragging down the entire series. Because if somebody happened to say something wrong that didn't line up with continuity, 
mm-hmm. or or the continuation of what they knew as history of the Star Trek universe, they would just get blasted for it, you know. See, but and, I think and they that were that changes the, but that changes. It, it's really the fun in it all because you've got the same familiar characters that you've always known, but it's different. Yep. Let's talk and, about the and, characters for a second. I think that the, the the people that they assemble to play these parts, I I can't I can't fault one of them, not right. one. Uh, David, was there one character that you thought uh, they didn't really get that character, they didn't really nail it the way I thought they should, or were you happy with all the characters in there? I I I thought they did a bang up job. I mean, they obviously you know really thought about what they wanted, and you know it. it and so it's the, the, the standout for this for me is that it's, if you're doing a reboot movie, it's so easy just to kind of, you know, change everything and throw everything out and say, OK, we're just going to, you know, and, and we've all seen those movies where they've taken an old TV series and brought it up to date. And, and in the way they've done it effectively is just ignore all the original uh, characterizations and they just throw in, a, you know, something that looks similar and a few catchphrases and they say job done. And this is not exactly not what they've done here but by the same token it's not a uh, a parody or a copy of the mannerisms of the original characters it's you know it's it is quite literally i mean the actors have obviously worked fairly hard to say okay well you know how would the people we know behave if they've been brought up differently and exposed to different things and really i i i you know for me that there was nobody who was bad there was nobody who was weak in in my mind i thought they all fitted the, what I was expecting from the characters, um, you know, extremely well. For me, the standout um, standout actor was Carl Urban, who plays Doctor McCoy. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I, I'll say that. He I'll had, second that. Yeah, because you know, his that character is the one probably with the most familiar. Um, in terms of you know how he how his delivery and the catchphrases and that sort of thing, and he manages to do that without. Making it a cranky old doctor, or without being a caricature of DeForest Kelly, right? Absolutely, he did it. He and let's be honest, he's older than the rest of the the cast, Mm -hmm. and so he has to. When you first meet him, you have to have a sense of a history with this person. That showing up the Enterprise isn't the first time that he's been around, and you really got that sense when you first come across him in the shuttle. You know, mm-hmm. all, that's Bones. Oh, my God, that's totally Bones. Mm-hmm. And they explained where he gets the nickname. It's yeah. not because he's a doctor. Yeah. It's because his wife took everything, and the only thing he was left with is his Bones. <laughs> I thought right. it was and, brilliant. And also, as well, it, 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 I mean, because the thing is, they, you know, the, the, the great thing about Star Trek was it was, it was even though there were supporting characters, it was about the main three. It was about Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, and and really, Kirk and Spock are, are almost themselves are, are, are kind of opposites of the same person. You know, Spock. Yeah, is one's emotional, true, one's logical. One's emotional, one's one's logical, that sort of thing. And McCoy is is kind of the foil between the pair of them. Yeah. What the movie very, in a very succinct and but believable way, is is explains why, you know, M- McCoy was always a little bit more on Kirk's side. Oh well, the ex- there's no the ex- there's. Yeah, I don't think there's even a little... I mean, he was always on Kirk's side. He didn't like Spock outwardly, even though inwardly he did. Mm -hmm. Uh, He respected him, but... There was a respect there. Yeah, he was a Kirk guy. I mean, there's no question. Absolutely. And this kind of, you know, it it, it explains how that comes about without going through, you know, uh, a whole great big bonding thing or anything. And it just kind of, you know, it's two guys who end up sitting next to each other and kind of, you know, they're both kind of outsiders and they just kind of get on. And and three years later, they're they're the best of friends. What do you think, Guy? Who did the best 
best job to you? Uh, I would have to say Zachary Quinto as Spock was was a real standout. Now, you guys were talking about Carl Urban, and as I was watching the movie, and before they, and you know, again, I was trying to avoid seeing the trailers and who all the regular people were, but looking at Carl Urban, another character he, I think he could have played very well would have been Gary Mitchell. Yeah. If you guys know who that is. Mm, he was, Mitchell. he was... He was the guy who was in the second pilot that that uh, Kirk ends up. The guy with the glowing eyes. Yeah, that's it, right. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. He looks. He looks a lot like him. I'm. I'm trying to to pull up uh, the actor's name, and I, and I, and I'm not seeing it. Um. Well, while Gary you were, Lockwood. Gary Lockwood was his name. I, I think Zachary did a, a a fabulous job. I also think he had the. The hardest part in that he had to play a scene with the original character, with Leonard Nimoy. Mm -hmm. Right. And while he doesn't have the voice, and we all know what I mean by I mean, Leonard Nimoy has the voice. He's that Nimoy projects very well. Right. There was still no question in my mind as I'm watching Zachary play this role that I'm looking at Spock, a much younger Spock, but Spock nonetheless. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he did anything out of character for me that really jumped out. I know a lot of people are having a problem with his relationship with Uhura. I personally mm-hmm. think that was a brilliant move. It lends uh, mm-hmm. something to both of those characters that they could play off in future movies. But I have well, to say... I, I thought that was a mistake myself. But. I have to say... I, I think Chris Pine is Captain Kirk. He is Captain Kirk to me now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, it helped that you get to see Captain Kirk as a kid. And you get to see... This conversation with a very Pike. young Captain Kirk sitting in a bar talking yeah. to basically a recruiter, even though he's not a recruiter, he's the no, captain. He's talking to Christopher Pike, who, You're right. the original pilot, that's, that's who he took over the Exactly. Yeah. And I think it was a brilliant move, but even more so, at the very beginning of the film, when Nero comes through the time warp thing, Eric Bana, who, by the way, played a great villain, and this isn't a villain who's got some kind of a superpower or uh, a, a warlord general. This is a miner looking for revenge that has advanced mm-hmm. technology and he's going to use it to extract revenge. I, mm-hmm. This is a brilliant part on Eric Bana because there was nothing likable about the character. No. And uh. and for someone like Eric Bana who's played big roles now, mm-hmm. I mean, he was the first Bruce Banner in the movie, um, I, I think he did a great job. But when the movie opens and you see this tiny little rustic starship mm-hmm. <laughs> with the Captain Kirk at the helm and the death scene and his wife going into labor and he gets to hear his son's voice mm-hmm. and I, I... Well, he wasn't a captain, though. No, well, no, he wasn't, was he? He was, he took the, first over, he was the first officer. officer. He took over because the captain He was a captain the for ship. like uh, 12 minutes or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and ended spectacularly. By the way, that air, actor... Mm-hmm. That's going to be Thor in the uh, Norse, as in the Norse god. Oh, really? He's playing Thor. Yeah, Chris Helmsworth. Yep, he's playing Thor. You're going to say something, David? No, I was just going to say. I mean, he was really good. I, in 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 some ways, I mean that that opening sequence. Uh, I mean, it really sets the movie up. But part part of me kind of said, "Well, it's a shame we didn't get to see more of him because he was really good. He was really good. And he did was. you realize he that was. his wife was the chick from uh, the TV show House? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Only afterwards, when I was seeing, seeing the credits. Oh, did you? I noticed it like second or third time I saw her. I leaned over to Chen. I went. 
that's the chick from House. <laughs> well, the one I didn't even catch through the whole movie was was uh, Winona Ryder, who played Spock's mother, Amanda Grayson. Oh, wow, I didn't catch that either. I had no idea. Wow. Well, we're cheating because we're looking at Wikipedia. Well, I, I heard somebody told me that she played Spock's mom. I'm like, no. <laughs> um, so I enjoyed the... Go ahead. The, uh, the, I tell you, I think they did a great job of casting all of the main characters in there, mm-hmm. but... I got to tell you, I really like uh, 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 I like the Sulu character yeah. uh, that they had in there because he's important, and I thought it was interesting that they brought out the the sword play with him. Finally, which is, you know, yeah, because they like mentioned the that in the in the old show that he was a master swordsman or something like that, didn't they? Well, that was right. in, uh, it was and, one of his hobbies. The, uh, yeah, the, the Naked Time was the episode where they had right that. the Naked Time, right? And that, then the, uh, yeah. uh, the the Chekhov character, you know, saying that he was seventeen, you know, that whole. Mm-hmm. That whole line there about the you know the, that's, that's, the I gotta say that's the one character that I didn't care much about. Chekhov. Oh really? Well, yeah. That I, was I, I thought that that was a, because I from looking at the old show, I always thought that Uhura and Chekhov and Sulu were roughly the same age. No, and, I never got that. And I I've, I kind of thought from watching this movie that John Cho was a, a little too old because he he looks older than Kirk. Was a well, he should have been, though. I mean, he's he's uh, the pilot. He, that takes well, no, years he, of experience more than just someone going was, through the academy younger, for a captain. He was younger than Kirk, and these are this, the same people. Well, I kept thinking that they were going to go to White Castle myself, but <laughs> <laughs> he is the pilot, and he keeps wanting to get a White Castle. So, if well, the, I, I just thought don't get that, that reference. That the then. obvious age, age differences between uh, Chekhov, Sulu, and Uhura were was was very very different from the characters that as they were played on uh, TV. And I, I got to say, personally, I, like I said, I think Chris Pine did a fabulous job. I I can't wait to see what he does next. Um, but I have to say, quite honestly, I really like Simon Pegg. Number one, I love Simon Pegg, anyways. Yeah, but I thought he did a brilliant job as Scotty. I love that. That was the next thing I was going to go to. He was fantastic. If anything, if anything, they didn't have him on enough. No, they didn't. I absolutely, so I agree with I agree. you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was the comic relief that I wanted at some of these whoa moments. I mean, when he's going through the tubes mm-hmm. in the engine room, that was a great scene. I was cracking up. I was like, oh my god, this is so. Of course, that's going to happen to Scotty. Of course, he's in the cooling system on the Enterprise. I mean. Who else is going to have that happen to? Of course, it's Scotty, and I, I thought it was just a brilliant job of casting. And quite honestly, I was surprised that Simon Pegg did the role. I, I was really and surprised. I didn't think he would. He, well, he's he's a, he's a, Simon Simon Pegg is a I mean he's a massive geek. I mean a really huge sci-fi comic geek, um, and basically. Um, my understanding is, you know, he was he was the only person as well who wasn't didn't have to audition for their role. Uh, Ab- I wouldn't actually imagine. Just, mm-hmm. Abrams just just called him up and said, um, you know, we're doing Star Trek, we're looking for Scotty, and we think you'd be great. Do you want to do it? And he jumped at the chance. Thank God, because um, he was brilliant uh, and, in the role. Yeah, and I like uh, this ship. <laughs> yeah, he's I. The, I mean, again, clever writing because it it. it it brings it brings across the, you know a guy who's got a real not a, not only a genius but a real p- 
passion for for engineering, mm-hmm. you know, and tinkering with things, and 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 being able to deliver the miracle engineering when just just when it's needed, you know. I thought it was it was very well done. I thought Captain uh, Pike also was a great character. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's kind of a mentor to Captain Kirk. Mm-hmm. Or for well, it's not Captain Kirk, but it's James T. Kirk. But mm-hmm. yeah. you know, he plays this mentor role. Um, obviously, Kirk sees a lot of his father in him, and it's because of him that James T. Kirk joins Starfleet. Right. I mean, he's he's basically dared into it. Yeah. You know, what are you doing with your life? You know, your dad was a captain for 17 mi- minutes and rescued, what, 700 people or something like that? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I now dare he doesn't, you to do better. And now he doesn't have to be in a chair with little lights blinking. That's yeah. right. Absolutely. <laughs> that was, was in the chair at the end of it, though. Yeah, well, that was a nice reference at the end, having him in the wheelchair. And that's what I thought, too. Yeah. He was wearing, a, was wearing a uniform that was very reminiscent of the Admiral uniform that Kurt wore in the first motion picture. Yep. So um, there was, I mean, and you looking through the movie, there was loads and loads of little things like that that were kind of thrown in there as bones for the, uh, you know, for the hard- hardcore fans. You know, here's yeah. the thing: I've only seen it once. I don't know if you guys have seen it more than once, but I've got to see this again. And this is definitely a movie mm-hmm. like Watchmen. Although I'm kind of having second thoughts on the whole Watchmen getting it on Blu-ray thing. Mm-hmm. Star Trek is definitely a Blu-ray purchase for me. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've it. I, do we even have to talk about how spectacular it looked? I, I think everybody just assumes that it looked great. And well, just that, just that whole scene, and when they come out of warp, and all the ships that they that they had been in convoy with are all blasted to hell, and you know they're trying to maneuver their way around it. it yeah, was but just I've seen that before. Stuff. I mean, when the Defiant is battling the Borg, and the brand new Enterprise shows up in whatever movie that was. Yeah. Um, it was very reminiscent of that. That's what I was like. Oh wow! This is when Worf was in the Defiant. The Defiant's, you know, getting its mm-hmm. ass handed to him by the Borg, and he gets beamed to the New Enterprise. And they're like, "That's a tough little ship." And Worf goes, "Little," mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But but this this debris of all these spaceships that were just blown to smithereens. That's what it kind of reminded me of. I think the bad part is that I I I can't wait. For Star Trek Two or whatever the heck they're going to call it. Oh, I it's, yeah. I think that's the worst part is that we're probably at least what three years away. Mm-hmm. Gotta be. Yeah. I mean, even if they started filming it right now, it's going to be at least two years with all the special. Well, let's effects. get on the phone and tell them to get going on. Well, they it. need to absolutely. Well, um, do you think that they could turn this into a TV series? No, not with the actors they have. No way. No, obviously not. Well, number but... one, I mean. Uh, uh, Quinto is on Heroes. I mean, yeah, but you saw you saw the season ending for Heroes, didn't you? Yeah, but and so the, you're they, a comic he, book reader. You know that he's going to be back. You yeah, know, by the fourth episode. Not necessarily as as him though. Yeah, it will be. Now he's, he's a shapeshifter, so yeah. they can pretty much do whatever they want. I know, but it'll be him. He he's digging the role. He really likes playing that role, and he's not yeah. leaving that show anytime soon. Plus and for that matter, there's a, no way there's no way that Simon Pegg would agree to do a weekly television series. And I don't think he should. I think Simon Pegg is just an actor in this, but he's more than just an actor in almost everything else he does. He produces, he directs, writes. Uh, he writes. Writes. Yeah. I mean, um, I I'm think dr- he made lunch for the cast. Yeah. <laughs> what was the the zombie movie? I'm drawing a blank. Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. That's one of my favorite movies as far in that genre. It's mm-hmm. so well done. 
And I, I also like, what was it, Run, Fat Boy, Run? Have you seen that? I haven't seen it yet. I do want to see that. David, you've probably seen Run, Fat Boy, Run. I, no, I haven't seen that really? one. But what I would what I would recommend is um, is Hot, Hot Fuzz. Fuzz. Yeah, Hot Fuzz. They're a spoof of, like, you know, action cop movies, Hot which Fuzz is fantastic is as well. Brilliant. Well, yeah. and I like the twist towards the end where the whole town... That was, yeah, yeah, that was brilliant. brilliant. No, don't give it away, guys. And now no one's going to watch them. Yeah. I, I liked Run, Fat Boy, Run. You could tell it was made on a budget, but he actually does acting, acting in this movie, which mm-hmm. you don't... He, he kind of plays character caricatures yeah. of the type of character he's playing in all of his movies. And that's what we like to see, because he's fun. But in Run, Fat Boy, Run, it, it's more serious. It's kind of a love story, and it, he did a really good job, and I was really surprised. Mm-hmm. Um... So I think that nobody was bad in the movie. Everybody was great. As far as the story itself, because we're already at like, you know, 52 minutes on this podcast. (laughs) Let's talk about the story. And obviously, because we're running way over after our Sony conversation, my, you know, security system and all that stuff. um, We'll probably save uh, the bigger Star Trek stuff for another show. Just like we still are going to do more Star Wars stuff. But... I thought that this was a brilliant story. It was not just a retelling, but a reimagining mm-hmm. of what had happened. And one of the scenes that I was really looking forward to, and I don't know if I liked it or I disliked it, was the Kobayashi Maru. In that yeah. we so all was, knew that yeah. he cheated. Mm-hmm. But I always assumed, and now again, this is a different timeline, but still. I always assumed that Captain Kirk did something that none of the other cadets had ever tried to do, and somehow it worked, and he and he won that simulation. And this, he just stood there eating a sandwich. Or an, no, apple. an apple. An apple. Which I thought, yeah, that was a little too cavalier. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was. he wasn't even trying to hide that he cheated. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Yeah, I, he would I just have thought he would have been more clever about yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, well, especially no, actually, he's in his fourth yeah, if year. You, if you want to go back to... to what the original story was, which I think was in Star Trek 2, he admitted in Star Trek 2, you know, Shatner admitted as Kirk, that he changed the simulation so that he could beat it. Right, right but that so, wasn't... Which is the that same wasn't thing in, that Chris Pine's Kirk did. Yes, but it wasn't common knowledge. I mean, um... The, the, other, th- th- but the other thing, though, is that you know, at the point they were, he was having the discussion with Spock in front of all the cadets and they're discussing what to do about it. Right. And I believe in Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, Spock had said, and you had received a commendation for, or Kirk had said he'd received a commendation for original thinking. Right. For doing that. So. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I thought the Kobayashi Maru was a little weak. Yeah. And that's probably the only part of that entire movie that I thought was weak. Well, that and the Nokia commercial. Well, I think the only thing that kind of saved the... <laughs> the only thing that really saved the uh, Kobayashi Maru scene for me was Carl Urban being there at the time. Yeah. yeah. The way he just looks at him, it's just like, what the hell have you done? You know? <laughs> yeah, anyway, he's like... Uh, what are you doing? <laughs> like this is that's not right. Scan the ships and again. I, I yeah. also I also don't know if I really like the fact that he basically gets Kirk sick to get him on the Enterprise. I was like, uh, I mean, it was clever and it was funny, and it further solidified the relationships between mm-hmm. Bones and Kirk. But I was like, I I, I, I don't know. It, it I must admit, me. I did enjoy seeing O'Hara in her underwear. Oh yeah, who did? <laughs> And the green girl. 
Yeah, was that? There was no futuristic underwear under what, that. Once you've gone green, you don't go back, and I would definitely go green because <laughs> wow, that was impressive. Those are Ryan Slave girls, and man. and that uh, yeah, and uh, that was all classic Kurt. Yeah, and let's all be honest, we all thought that that was going to be Uhura in that bed, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, and that's why I like, and I know Guy. And we'll get into that right now, Guy. You didn't like the fact that Uhura and Spock were an item, whereas I thought it was brilliant because this is not the same timeline. Um, yeah, but remember that that everything with with Spock, for the most part, hasn't changed up until the point where he meets Kirk, because. He had all of those same problems growing up, being teased by other Vulcan children because he was half half human, and you know I I just felt that they made like it, at that particular moment that that was not a thing that Spock would have done. What? Well, his dad, who was pure Vulcan, married to the, an Earth woman. Yeah. Why? Why is it so far out of the realm of possibility that Spock too would have, who was also part human? Oh, have. I'm not saying that he would that he doesn't have feelings. I'm saying that even with everything that was going on, he wouldn't just suddenly start making out with Uhura in a turbo lift. Well, he he didn't. Well, uh, I I think it was implied that they you know the relationship had been going on for a while. She yeah. was obviously mm-hmm. you know he was obviously attracted to her intellectually as a student, and I, and I what I felt it added to the story was it gave more resonance to the fact that you know this Spock in this timeline has struggled whatever reason has struggled much more with, you know, managing his human side than um than the Spock that was portrayed in the original series, who let's face it, you know, kind of uh, unless there was some outside agent like uh, you know Pomfar or or the you know the, or, or an illness or something like that. He kind of ha- you know he had his emotions locked down all the time. Yeah, he was more monkish, if anything. Yeah, and and um, and and in, and and in this they're kind of saying you know as a younger man that's not what he was like at all. And I, I think that's an, completely believable. I saw yeah. an interview with Zachary Quinto, and uh, they asked him if he had you know spent any time with Leonard Nimoy. And, in fact, he said that uh, he'd spent quite a bit of time with Nimoy. He said he'd he'd called him to talk about the Spock character. And Nimoy had him over for dinner, and they had several dinners together. And so, you know, I I would have thought that, you know, with that kind of interaction going on, that Spock certainly would have told him. I'm sorry, Nimoy would have told him. (laughs) Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to catch that. (laughs) Nimoy would have told him, you know, you know, uh, you know, his feelings about the character and where perhaps, you know, he he would rather have gone with it, you know, things I, I, like that. I really like the fact that Nimoy. I hate to say blessed him playing that role, but he kind of did, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, let you know, Zachary plays a very iconic character on Heroes. And it's it's the type of role that people are going to remember for a long, long time. Now he's Spock. I think this is an actor that you're going to have to watch out for because he is not tackling. I mean, the role of Siler in Heroes is a very complex role, and he does a brilliant job of it. Spock is not an easy role. I don't care what anybody may think. That's a very mm-hmm. difficult role to pull off convincingly, especially playing it after Leonard Nimoy has for the last, what, 50 years. Mm-hmm. I think he did a brilliant job. I think he's going to be an actor that we're going to see a lot more of. And I also think Chris Pine is somebody that we're going to see a lot more of. Um, 
I'm glad he did not try in the least to try to mimic any of the mannerisms of um boy what's the word Shatner. Yeah, William Shatner. I mean because Shatner stopped being Kirk for me a long time ago. To me, when I see Shatner, I don't see Captain Kirk anymore. No, I know. You see Denny Crane. I see Denny Crane. <laughs> That's Denny Crane now. And I'm glad that Chris Pine has kind of taken the character, not necessarily a different route, but a different, a little bit different personality, different mannerisms. And I think he's doing a great job at it. And I can't wait to see what they do next. Um, he had blood on his face for, uh, what, two-thirds of the movie. He did. He did. And, you know, most of that movie, let's be honest, was on his shoulders. If he wasn't convincing as Captain mm-hmm. Kirk, as James T. Kirk, the movie wouldn't have worked. And I think the fact that we all enjoyed it so much is a testament to how well he played that role. And a lot of that, though, I think comes down to the director. J.J. Abrams did just a brilliant job with what he had to work with. And it looks to me like Paramount Pictures basically wrote him a check and said, go re invigorate this franchise for us because what else does paramount pictures have they don't have anything else that comes close to the popularity of star trek Mm -hmm. and now after all these years of star trek and i was let's be honest i was burned out of star trek i didn't care about it anymore this one movie comes out and i'm totally into star trek again yeah Did, did that happen to anybody else no, I, I well, I, I kind of agree with you. I've been reintroducing or introducing for the first time Star Trek to my ten-year-old over the past, I don't know, year and a half. You know, when he started, when he was about eight years old, I started pulling out, buying the old classic episodes and letting him look at those. And we watched, you know, we were watching them all. And, and in fact, we're still watching them. And we watch. In fact, he's the one that went to the movie with me. And uh, oh, uh, you know, me. we watching the next generation stuff and right after the movie we went to the burger king and bought all the star trek the star trek figures that they had <laughs> <laughs> i that reminds me uh it wasn't just chad and i that went to the, see star trek it was my oldest daughter who's going to be 14 really soon here and she used to watch star trek with me because you know i had the remote and she's in the room and i'm star trek is on i'd watched the next generation or voyager or whatever deep space nine and she hated it growing up she hated mm-hmm. star trek so when I asked her, Chad, if she wanted to go, I said, Rachel, do you, you want to go to the movie theater? We're going to go see the new Star Trek. She kind of gave me a look like, ugh, Star Trek. I said, well, you can stay here with, you know, the baby and the five-year-old and, you know. Uh, no, I'll go to the movie theater with you guys. <laughs> Plus, she knew a lot of her friends were going to go see it so she can at least talk intelligently, mm-hmm. even if she didn't like it. I asked her as we were coming out of the theater, and uh, I think her response was, I, it blew me away. Which, mm-hmm. I said, so you liked it? And she says, oh, yeah, it was great. That said to me right there that Paramount did absolutely the right thing by taking this entire franchise in a new direction. A new, younger generation, Rich, your son, my daughter, they became fans of Star Trek. Whether they're a fan of the old series or just the new stuff moving forward is immaterial. They're fans of Star Trek. And that's absolutely. what Paramount needed to do with this franchise. What do, you th- what do you think, Guy? Did uh, any of your kids see it with you? No. Actually, um, I took a long lunch and went to see it. <laughs> I, knew, I, I knew that um, the, the weekends around here are usually so packed that I, I, I had a feeling that we weren't going to be able, as a family, to go see it. Uh, I still plan on going to see it again with them. 
but I I knew this was this was like the Watchmen. I had to see it for this podcast, so I wasn't going to take any chances. Um, anything else about Star Trek before we wrap the show up, guys? Uh, just, well, there's, there's one character that we haven't really thought about, and that's the, the the Enterprise itself, which I always thought was a character in the show of a you know of a fashion. And well, I think God they that, updated it, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. I mean, but but you, you know, do you, they, they made some quite interesting changes to it. I mean, what what did what did you think about the idea of you know making the engine room uh, and all the the you know the the functional parts of it kind of look like a factory uh, and uh, and contrasting that with the kind of the very clean lines of the bridge, which kind of you know is all white and shiny and. It, it actually, think, to me, it actually makes more that, sense the way that they did it than, than what you saw on the TV show. Because anyone who's, you know, I, I've been on a, a fair share of, of uh, naval vessels, either, you know, dry docked or whatever. And that's that's kind of the way they, that, you know, the engine rooms kind of look. They, you know, they're very, very functional. Yeah. They're not made to be pretty. Yeah, that's that's what I took out of it, too. I didn't blink an eye that the bridge was very sophisticated looking and, you know, the, the engine room look like an engine room of a battleship. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I didn't blink an eye. I just, I totally accepted it. I thought, yeah, that'd be the engine room, especially uh, with yeah. the technology that they were using at the times that this movie happens. It's not the Enterprise D or E mm-hmm. or F or whatever. Right. It's the, it's really the very first Enterprise. Technically, it's not. Mm-hmm. But it is the first Enterprise and a lot of the stuff that they miniaturize and the technologies that they use in the future aren't there yet. So they do need all these huge pipes to cool stuff down and I I, I totally bought it. I thought it worked well. Yeah. I, I liked mm-hmm. it a lot. I, I I thought it did too. In fact even after uh uh we went to Burger King, then we went to Target and we bought the Star Trek Enterprise Bridge. And oh, my uh, God. You are on the right <laughs> show. This is definitely the geekiest show ever. You're on the yeah. right show, Rich. Yeah. <laughs> so you actually, got, you actually start your new new toy collection. <laughs> right, and we brought that home, and uh, I, I, I got to put it together, and uh, it, it actually Cough, gave me a chance to it. really Cough. get a good look at it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> played with it for an hour and a half. Don't tell the kid. Um, <laughs> let's, let's wrap the show up, but before we do, guys, uh, another geeky thing happened. And that I saw for the first time today, and I don't know if you guys have seen it yet or not, but I found it up on Ain't It Cool News, and it's ABC's trailer for V. Have you oh, guys seen this? No, I didn't even know they were no. redoing it. Uh, no. it. It looks brilliant. We talked about this at work because someone had told me they were redoing V, and I was just like, oh, God, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. I heard rumblings that they were going to redo V, and I thought... I don't know if I want to see a new V. This is ugh. the last one is so hokey. It yeah, was, I was glad to it was see a it very all. '80s show. Yeah, yes. But then I saw the trailer. Yeah. Wow. the uh, The main alien that you see is the hooker chick from uh, uh, Serenity, Firefly. What's oh, her name? Yeah. Yeah. Marina yeah. Baccarin. Alien hookers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Marina Baccarin. Is yes. Yeah. And, but her, her hair is short in this. Right. Which kind of threw me at first, but I, she's so beautiful that I was like, oh, I know who she is. Um, well, and it the, has a lot of TV actor type of people, yeah. including the blonde chick who was in Lost, mm-hmm. uh, who just fell down the big hole. Um, I didn't ruin that for you, did I? No, I saw it. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll just say I'll just say uh, Mrs. Santa Claus from the Santa Claus movies. Ha! 
You guys, know, huh? you guys know they were coming out with a Green Lantern movie? Yes, I did, actually. That's, I'm looking forward to a Green Lantern. I think that it's w- way past the point where they should roll out a Green Lantern movie. Yeah, they've got the technology to make cool things with the green ring. And they really, really need to reboot Superman for the third time because I did not (laughs) like the new Superman movies. I'd like to see The Flash. I think The Flash could be done well. I always liked the TV series. If I think that was from the early nineties series from the early early nineties. Early nineties, the last one, which is actually pretty fun. I actually got the DVD, the entire series, Mm -hmm. and I started watching it. And it's not half as good as I remember. I was like, oh, this is not good at all. I think I was a bit disappointed, too, after yeah. I bought it. I, the memory is sometimes better than the reality. Yeah. yeah. Do you really want to see all these separate movies, or do you guys just want to see the Justice League movie? I want to see a Justice League movie. That would be cool. Now, we're also going to get, in 2012 or 13 now, I forget, um, an Avengers movie. So you're going to have the Hulk in there. You're going to have Iron Man. Captain America's coming out. Mm-hmm. Thor's coming out. Um, there's another one, too. I forget. Scarlet Witch? Division? Um, I don't think they were original Avengers, so you're not going to see them. Yeah. But they're going to make an Avengers movie. The hardest part, I think, is going to be Thor. How they can make a believable Thor movie. Him not seem, him not seem lame. Yeah. Now, a lot of people say, oh, it's never going to work. Well, you know what? <laughs> a lot of people said that they weren't going to be able to reboot Star Trek either and get you know, yeah. the younger fans into it, and I'm not putting anything by those guys. I, and now that I know who's playing Thor, mm-hmm. I think it's a brilliant move. It's Captain Kirk's dad. Who else could be the Norse god of thunder? <laughs> of course it's Captain Kirk's father. Come on. <laughs> but you guys should definitely go go up to Anik Cool News and look on the right-hand side and look for Welcome to... The New York Mothership. My name is Lisa. ABC's trailer for the V Lands. It it looks really good to me. I'm looking forward to it. Yet another show that's hey, geek culture is taking over the planet and no one can stop it. Yeah, and it doesn't look like they're just coming for water this time. No, they <laughs> want God. more. They don't. They just want our water. <laughs> Give us the Aquafina, please. <laughs> All right. Uh, no idea what we're going to talk about. Anybody got any uh, suggestions for the next show? Mm. Crickets. I, 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 sent, I sent you a couple I, of I saw that, and I, I don't know if that's... It's kind of similar to what we just did a couple episodes ago. Yeah. Um, I think it's definitely something we want to do in the future, but I'd like to do something a little different. We didn't do... I know you're trying to send me a guy a, guy, a, a, a file right now. Probably not the best time to accept a file. Um I like to do something about comic books and and comic book characters. We had said that we were going to do a show about, you know, if you could be a a superhero, which comic character would you want or which powers? I don't know if we could fill an entire show about just that subject, Mm -hmm. but I would like to definitely touch on that soon. Um, And video games is something that we touch on occasionally, but I don't know if I want an entire show dedicated to video games. So I say we just kind of leave it open-ended and see where the show goes next week. Who knows? I mean, we've yeah. done Star Trek. We've done, you know, one show that we really do need to do is The Matrix. Yeah, I, mean, I, yeah. I think I think the first Matrix movie that came out in '99 was just mind shattering. Was really. I think it's one of the best science fiction movies yeah. of all time. I'd rank I'd rank it up there with Star Wars, or mm-hmm. even this new Star Trek movie. I, the first yeah. Matrix is brilliant, and I can watch it from beginning to end right now, and still and be still and, yeah. and love it. 
and I'm not going to say anything about movies two and three because I think what what we should do is discuss those the, the, the whole thing right in a row. Anybody want to do that next week? Maybe the Matrix or yeah, two weeks? Why not? Two or weeks. two weeks from now, obviously. Okay. Well, let's let's plan on the Matrix, but we'll see what happens. Uh, of course, Chad, you're more than welcome Thank to come you. back again and. I'm kind of getting used to having you again here in <laughs> the MyMac Studios. So uh, as we wrap up the show, I do want to encourage everybody to go up to iTunes and rate the show for us, please. Uh, if you haven't listened to some of our older shows, we've got six other shows. We've got a uh, Star Wars episode. We've got one where Guy and I talk about our old toys and Micronauts. We've got one called Steal This Show. Uh, I think that was on DRM and, and mm-hmm. Piracy. Uh, canceled, which was TV shows that... We're canceled before their time. Watchmen. You can't listen to it anymore. I don't even remember what the first episode was about. Anybody uh, remember? Because I just called it Geeky Show Ever One. There's no, like, tagline in the file. So I don't even remember what the heck it was about now. <laughs> uh, it was about something. We talked, and um, we, we talked. And, and then we stopped. And then we, yeah, eventually we stopped. Let me see. So um, maybe it was a show about nothing. Yeah, it could have been. It was an hour and 22 minutes, so... That's a lot of nothing. That's a lot of nothing. So we're going to wrap this show up. Actually, this will be one of our... Uh, it's, it's right up there. One of our shortest shows. Yeah. yeah. I think that's okay, because I want to play a little bit of uh, Guitar Hero Metallica before the wife gets home. <laughs> so with that, for Chad, Rich, Guy, and David Cohen, I'm Tim Robertson, and we'll see you later. <laughs>